So we come to this last full day of our retreat and I just encourage you to be aware that there's a lot of different things that we could do with our mind, do with our attention today. Just as there is every day in our life. We could have the opportunity to entertain, planning, rehearsing, anticipating, leaning forward. Just as we have that invitation or possibility any day of our lives. Or we could truly see that there are other possibilities of not necessarily following the more habitual pathways, but of actually really in some ways walking, a very real way, walking another path to this day could also be a day of our most dedicated calmness, our, more, our most dedicated stillness, our most dedicated inner listening, You could guess which of those possibilities we would recommend. (laughs) Not a big stretch. The great gift of mindfulness is allowing those opportunities, those psychological and emotional possibilities, opportunities in the midst of any moment. It is not to say that thoughts don't arise, images don't arise. Of course they do, just as they do in all the days of our lives. Whether we need to follow, pursue, obsess about, or find space within, calmness within, in a way that's really in our hands. It's really in our hands, just as it is in our hands every day of our lives. It's so important to remember that, you know, what we engage in here is never intended to be a sort of isolated experience of a retreat. What we engage in here is a path. It's a pathway. And the Buddha never just taught formal meditation. He taught cultivating a pathway of wakefulness that touches every area of our lives. But this is where we train. This is where we learn. It's where we train. And we learn actually uh, to love calmness. I think this is a great shift in the practice and in the path. We actually really learn to, to love calmness, to love stillness, to love spaciousness far more then we love busyness and agitation. So often this day does ask for a renewal of that commitment, perhaps the same commitment we made on the very first day of this retreat. What does it mean to be here wholeheartedly? What does it mean to be willing to to listen, to embrace the moment, to embrace what is? to be present in the midst of all things. It was that initial intention you all made on the first day of this retreat that has really allowed for whatever has followed to unfold. It's it's useful to acknowledge that. An intention, in my experience in this life, it's not just something we make once. 
It's a renewal, it's a renewal, it's a renewal. Ah, yes, breathe out the possibility of being here. Just speak a little bit more this morning of uh, a little bit more about what Narayan spoke about yesterday around this fourth foundation of mindfulness. One that's often kind of put on the side as if it's somehow, you know, uh, just a group, it is a grouping of lists. <laughs> it is what the fourth foundation is. It's a grouping of lists. You know, that this tradition seems to be very good at making lists. But let's look at what those lists really mean. The first three foundations of mindfulness are very much specifically embraced moment to moment in our practice. The fourth is also, but the fourth also really sets forth the landscape of this whole journey. So what you see in the fourth foundation of mindfulness, in many ways it could be the first foundation of mindfulness. It was what Narayan spoke about in the very opening night of this retreat. You see the Buddha speaking about the four ennobling truths, but perhaps they make more sense to us now, even than they did on the first night of the retreat. The awareness of the uh, disquiet, the unsatisfactoriness that can be present in any moment, not only the fact, the reality of a life of conditions and change and instability, but more this level of disquiet, unsatisfactoriness is, is speaking to our emotional and psychological reactions to the way things actually are. Kind of distress we can get into in our minds, in our aversion, our arguments, our resistance, our wanting. So first there is this acknowledgement of this almost existential angst. Then, of course, this path, as we have both mentioned, is an invitation to see this and to understand how it is born, how distress is born moment to moment in our lives. And what we see, of course, is the whole movement of the wanting, the not wanting, the non-acceptance, the feelings of insufficiency, the agitation, the restlessness. And of course, as we mentioned, this is an invitation to be able to release the causes of distress. Something very immediate about this. It's actually noticing moment to moment when there is disquiet, unrest, unease. Be able to look into our experience. What is this born of? What is this born of? Because that understanding of how is this born is so crucial to understanding its end. Then, of course, a great sense of immediacy in the path to the ending of distress. What do we walk? What do we cultivate? What do we nurture moment to moment in the midst of all things? So I mentioned the other evening, the four ennobling truths are not meant to be statements of ideology. They're meant to be ways of really investigating our lives, investigating our moment-to-moment experience. 
we see within the fourth foundation of mindfulness very much the acknowledgement, as, as Ryan spoke about yesterday, that there is a tension in waking up. We see that in our practice here, how often our intentions seem to be undermined or sabotaged by habit, habitual patterns. Um, we see that there's a tension in waking up. It doesn't have to be a negative tension. It's actually a remarkably creative tension. If we have no argument with distress, we look for its end. We look what's getting in the way in this moment of peace, of serenity, of spaciousness. And the Buddha recognized this tension by putting alongside each other the hindrance factors that we've spoken about a lot. You know, the dullness, the restlessness and worry, the craving, the aversion, the doubt. Putting alongside those this other possibility of the factors, the qualities of awakening that Narayan spoke about, the qualities that are cultivated in the midst of the hindrance attacks. How is this helped? How is sloth and torpor helped? How is aversion helped? Well, actually, we see Lot begins beginning to be able to make those shifts, certainly begins with mindfulness, the willingness to investigate, the energy that can be cultivated, the joy that can be brought to this journey, the joy of being, of waking up. The tranquility, the concentration, the equanimity, these are qualities cultivated. They are not just the fruit of the practice. They are actually the path of this practice. We see in the fourth foundation of mindfulness, some of it initially doesn't always seem to make a whole lot of sense because we see the six sense doors listed. Not only our usual five sense doors, but also the sense door of the mind. And you might think, well, why is that there? That's just, you know, part of life. You know, why is this here? Because it is here that we actually see our world being born moment to moment. Because what we see through the sense doors is, is the world coming in, the sights, the sounds, the taste, the touch, the body sensations, also the thoughts. And what we see is the inner world, sometimes of the hindrances, sometimes of the habit patterns, sometimes of the reactions, flowing out to meet them through the sense doors. In the teaching of dependent arising, very central to this path, the image that is used of the six sense doors is of a house with five open windows and a door The open windows are the five sense doors, and the door is meant to be the sense door of the mind. Nobody's home, by the way. (laughs) But through the sense doors is flowing this stream of information coming in and flowing out through the windows, and the door is our whole world of construction and likes and dislikes. And so this mindfulness at the sense doors is so pivotal in beginning to see how our world moment to moment is being born. We see what I called in, in, the, in the fourth foundation the 
the aggregates, which is a very strange word, but I don't know how it is here in the States, but in, in England, aggregates is quite a common word, actually. It's, you use it in the building trade. You know, aggregates means everything you use to kind of build, you know. So you, you get in, you know, your soil and your sand and your cement and your building blocks, and these are aggregates. So you, you see trucks driving around with aggregates, you know, aggregate on them. So it's kind of like a normal word, you know. But in this teaching, it's, it's interesting, in this teaching, the aggregates, of course, are the body, feeling, perception, intentions, tendencies, consciousness. This is what builds me. This is what builds me. So it's, it's this mindfulness that is brought into this world that seems to build me and actually to see actually we can know them just as they are. Free from selfing, free from clinging, free from construction, to know just as they are. This is a big piece of this practice, to know this moment just as it is without adding anything, without taking anything away, but to find that connection, to find that alignment with the way things actually are. And I often think of this as a movement from kind of what is called unwise view, which is the ongoing argument with the way things are, they shouldn't be happening, to this alignment with the way things actually are, not a statement of passivity, but that alignment with the way things actually have are, the way things actually have are, of course, is the ground for wise response and wise action and wise engagement. This sometimes when you look at this teaching, it feels like there's so much information. You know, you might try find yourself, you know, I've got to write this down, and I'm never going to remember all of this. You know, there's so much to to learn, and in truth, there is a learning process here because this teaching is certainly not dismissive of the ways that we need to engage intellectually with this path to understand it. Um, but it's not a question of trying to hold pieces of information because I think what you see in this practice, that much of this teaching and many of these lists that initially seem like just a load of information, really starts to get naturalized moment to moment in our experience. But we have a kind of languaging for it, which actually helps to clarify what is, what is actually occurring. We have a language in for it which brings it into focus. So it's not a question of trying to remember because this we learn experientially. We learn it until really we begin to know it really until it comes into our bones and then we remember the remarkable simplicity of what we're doing here. Just come back. Just be here. Just be awake to what we are, what is being experienced moment to moment, cultivating calmness, cultivating spaciousness, cultivating stillness. And here we are in the body, the place to rest, the place to return to, the place in which all, all everything is cultivated. So again, just uh, settling into your posture, 
body. A settling into calmness, being present in an intentional way. Breathing in, calming the body. Breathing out, calming the body. Breathing in, calming the mind. Breathing out, calming the heart. as wholeheartedly present as we're able to be, just one moment at a time.
<clears throat> so we'd like to say a, just a little bit about the schedule today. Um, you know, the day today is the same uh, as it's been. If you notice on the schedule, there's really a lot of sitting and there's a lot of walking. So <laughs> life as usual. You know, life as usual today. And there's a few little differences here and there. So um, really uh, the encouragement to continue with the day, life as usual, just retreat life, such a remarkable opportunity to still be in these conditions. And so really to use the conditions of retreat life. And then just a a few things. Um, As you know, because it's on the board, Uh, There is uh, a walking session right now, and if you're in Group A or Group B and you'd like to um, have an optional group with Maddie in M200, you should feel very free to do that. And then the same thing, there's the sitting, of course, and then the walking. And then if you're in uh, Group C or D and you'd like to meet with Maddie in M200 at 1045, um until 11.30, that would be fine as well. And of course it's optional, and if you'd like to walk and remain in the silence instead, that's just fine. So it's up to you. And um, you know, then just lunch as usual, 12 and 12.30. And then we want to ask you to really stay in there from 2.15 until 5.15, you know, to really work with the schedule. Um, there's a sitting, the groups, no need to think about them or rehearse. You can't rehearse because you don't know what they're going to be about. But they are going to be um, peer groups, not teacher-led groups, and we'll tell you about it later in the day. Uh, but just um, you know, just to remain open-hearted. Um, and then there's another sit at 4 o'clock and the manager's talk at 4.30. So if you could really work with the afternoon in a very steady, kind of stabilizing, impeccable way, that would be really great. It will really benefit. And um, then if you see there's a gathering in the hall at 7.15, and again, you know, it's very simple and it's very beautiful and um, nothing to think about or worry about or rehearse or plan for or anything like that either. And we'll We'll tell you about that when it comes. So to remain present moment attentiveness, to really encourage a present moment attentiveness throughout the day today, there can be like a little bit of excitement or nervousness or worry about tomorrow. Um, but that's happening wherever we are. You know, we're always nervous, excited, or worried about tomorrow. <laughs> you know, we happen to be here and it seems really highlighted. But... Um, if you work with that mind now, it's fantastic, you know, because then we can find ourselves released from that habit when we're in the thick of things in our everyday life. Okay. Yes. We need to be here for 2.15 and 4.30 because we'll be giving instructions. Okay. So particularly um, here for 2.15 because we're going to be giving instructions about the groups and um, particularly... 4.30? Yeah, particularly 4.30, because, again, <laughs> something will be happening then, too. So. <laughs> In other words, particularly all day, we need you to turn up. That's really the idea. I'm thinking, actually, uh, 2.15 until 5.15 would be best. Okay. 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> so moving into the walking with, with grace and with beauty. Actually, I'm thinking now. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.